0: When the people of God comprehend the value of God, they give to God unreservedly for the glory of God. When God's people understand God's value, then they value God more than their valuables.
1: You're listening to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr., senior pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hillard. Glad you're with us today as we're continuing seven reasons why God gave us money. And God has given us money for so many different reasons, and we're to steward it wisely and well. But that can be a challenge because we have this thing called the sin nature. We want money for ourselves to do what we want to do with it. But when we understand who God is and his value, like Pastor Ford said, it totally transforms the way we handle and look at money. So let's look at that today from Exodus 35. Here's Pastor Ford.
0: So in Exodus chapter 35, uh, we have uh, God telling the children of Israel, now remember, uh, they just put down their hymn book. Now he's asking them to take out their checkbook. Isn't this, I ain't make this up. They were worshiping and all of a sudden he said, Moses, all right, now you go tell uh, the children of Israel it's time to open up their checkbook because I want a new sanctuary. That's what God said. It's in there. Read Exodus 35. He says, I want you to build me a sanctuary. And he called it a tabernacle. Now, now, now I want you to understand something that we talk about all the time. Remember, I told you that when God tells us to do something, uh, it not only has an immediate purpose, it has an ultimate purpose. What does it have? An immediate purpose and an Ultimate purpose. And sometimes what we do is we allow the immediate to obscure the ultimate. We should not do that. Why? Because we're New Testament saints. Amen. And so when you look at what God is saying in Exodus 25, 8, And nine, here's what he says. He says, I want you to take the money that they give you, Pastor Moses, and I want you to build me a new sanctuary called a tabernacle because I want to live among my people. Isn't that amazing? That God said, I want you to have a visible manifestation of my omniscient self. That's it. Uh, That when we look at this, Turn there, turn there. I got to get you to look at the Scripture. Uh, look what it says in Exodus 25. So you know that I didn't make this up. You know, I you say, yeah, he makes stuff up all the time. Let's see if he, he might have made that up. And let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among you. According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So God says in verse 8, you're to give me a tabernacle. Verse 9, according to my specification. Now, let me just, I know I always deal with the ultimate at the end. Can I deal with it at the beginning? Say, deal with it, pass forward. Yeah, because it's the most, the tabernacle is the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in all of the Old Testament. Think about this. The vastness of the universe. How vast is the universe? Vast. That's right. I mean, millions and millions and trillions and godzillions of nebulae and universes. And how did God describe his creation of it? Look at Genesis chapter one. How many words did he use? Five words. And he made the stars. The vastness of the universe five words. Anybody know how many chapters there are on the tabernacle? 50. 50 chapters on the tabernacle, five words on the universe. What do you think God was trying to say? Holler it out, holler it out. He's trying to say that what I'm about to give you is of more significance, of a vast, more purpose than even the universe I created. Because now I'm talking about me, who the heavens cannot contain, allowing you to come to a tabernacle and worship me. Wow. And then remember, where was the tabernacle? In the center of Israel. Four tribes to the north, four tribes to the east, four tribes to the south, four tribes to the west. And what do you have? The tabernacle in the middle. You say, no longer can you look up at the cloud that you can't touch, but I'm right here in your midst. No longer the fire, I'm right here in your midst. And you already know where I'm going with it because I said, uh, you know, you begin to look at it. It is God is saying, listen, okay, take the tabernacle for example. How many doors did it have? One. Why? Because everybody has to come one way. So immediately, you have to go through that one door in order to go in to worship. But ultimately, it points to Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door. Not a door, I am the door. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Okay, let me do this real quick. So when you go into the tabernacle, what's the first article? Brazen altar. What happened there? The lamb was sacrificed. What was the brazen altar made of? Acacia wood and was overlaid with bronze. Uh, What was bronze in Scripture? A symbol of judgment. I don't have time to go through it, uh, but a symbol of judgment. What was acacia wood? Get this, get this. It was wood that decayed on the outside, but was petrified on the inside so that it never decayed. So the brazen lover was a picture of Jesus Christ because he's the God man. His outward man perished, uh, but he's deity on the inside. And then what does the altar represent? The, the lamb on the altar represents Jesus on the cross. You preaching best for what I'm doing, the best I can. Amen. And so what happens there? The lamb is sled, in innocent blood. And what would the person who brought the lamb have to do? Put their hands on the lamb. Why? Because they identify with the innocence of the lamb. And the lamb, because it never did anything that you did. You smoked that joint. The lamb didn't. You snorted that coke. The lamb didn't. You slept in the bed that wasn't your own with a woman or a man that wasn't your husband or wife. You did that. The lamb didn't do it. But when you put your hand on, God saw it as a transference. And so the lamb took your sin and you took the lamb's innocence and the lamb was slain and the blood was on the altar. Then you go into the holy place and and what happens in the holy place? Three things there. Showbread, John chapter 6, 35. I'm the bread of life. And then what else was there? There was the... Lampstand, John 8:12. I am the light of the world. And then there was the altar of incense, the prayer life of Jesus Christ. Hebrew 7:25. What's he doing for me right now? Whoever liveth to make intercession for us according to the will of God? He praying for you, Brother Ralph, right now Amen. Right now. And so now you go into the holies of holies, and and, and you get in there, and what's there? The Ark of the Covenant. I don't have time. I got to get back to my subject, but I want you to see the ultimate. What, what, What is it? And you know something? Remember this. Remember? What happens the closer you get to God? The closer you get to God, the less people are around you. So if you say you've been saved five years, and you're still hanging with your same friends, because when you get to the court of the Gentiles, who could go there? Lottie, Dotty and everybody, Jew and Gentile. But when you get to the court of women, the Gentiles couldn't come. I've been to Jerusalem, and Josephus said they had a sign. Gentiles enter at your own risk. If the Gentile entered in the court of the women, boom, they slay you right there. Then the court of men. And then what? Then you go into the court proper where only Levites can go. Then you go into uh, the brazen lava where only the priests could go. Then you go to the holy place where only uh, the priests could go. And then you go into the holy of holies where only one priest could go once a year. Yom Kippur, you know the rest of it. See, the closer you got to God, the more people dropped off and That's Psalm 1 to me, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Yeah, that's it. When, when you begin to look at this thing, it is powerful. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe in God. I, I got to tell you this story. It, it's supposed to be true, but I don't know if it is or not. Uh, but a kindergarten teacher was an atheist, and she decided, you know, she's going to influence her children. Because children are easily influenced. You know, how many of you still believe in Santa Claus? How many of you still believe in the boogeyman? How many still believe in the tooth fairy? How many still believe in the Easter bunny? Quit, put that hand down back there, girl. You... And so she said... Class and they said, "Yes, teacher, I am an atheist." Who wants to be an atheist? And they all said, "Me, me, me." Except one little girl. Now I didn't even know what an atheist was. And and one bright child said, "What's an atheist? I don't believe in God." She said, "Little Tawanda, you didn't raise your hand." And Tawanda said, "Cause I'm a Christian." She said, you're a Christian?" "Yes, I'm a Christian." Well, why are you a Christian? Because I was raised in a Christian home just last year at four years old. My mommy and my daddy led me to faith in Jesus Christ. And now I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus, so I can't be an atheist. Teacher got mad. She said, well, what if your mother was a moron and your daddy was a moron? What would that make you? She said, I guess an atheist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so what happens? Here it is, the tabernacle. Why build this tabernacle? Not just uh, so that Israel uh, can have a picture of me, uh, the omniscient God, localized for them, but that ultimately we would understand that Jesus Christ is God. How so, Pastor Forb, you know, John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14. And the Word became flesh, And guess what the word is? If you take the word from the Old Testament and bring it into the New Testament, you'd have to translate it tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. And so then it represents that tabernacle Our so great salvation in Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you because he is God in the flesh. So then Jesus is God with us at Bethlehem. Jesus is God for us. At Calvary. Jesus is God in us at the resurrection. Jesus is God through us at Pentecost. Jesus is God beside us at the rapture. And Jesus is God loving us for all of eternity. And so John 1:18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten who's in the bosom of the Father, he has ra'o him. Ra'o, say Ra'o, the word from which we get photographed. He has pictured him. He's the snapshot of God. Jesus has the same DNA as God. I like what one brother said. He said uh, that Jesus is God's glory. Glory is bodily bling. That was good stuff. And so what's going on here? You said you're going to tell us supply God's program. What did God do? They were in Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years, and they weren't given reparations. They didn't get their 40 acres and a mule. And so when they were getting ready to leave, God said, I've given you favor among the Egyptians. Favor ain't fair, but it sure is fabulous. Spoil them. Ask them for their gold, their silver, their jewelry, their bronze, their rubies, their diamonds, and they're going to give them to you. And what happened? They gave them to him. Now, get this. You see, I always tell you, uh, you got to be very careful of some of this doctrine that's going around. It's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. Uh, Because God said, I want you to get, and then I want you to give. And then what does God do? You don't give to get. You give to get to give. Because God told them, I'm going to pay you for your slavery through the Egyptians. Then when they get out in the wilderness, he said, now give it back to me.
1: You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford, some real biblical principles that we've been looking at regarding money and regarding giving and what God has entrusted to us and then what we do with that. And we're going to get back to that in just one moment. I want to let you know that uh, if Pastor Ford's teaching is making a difference in your life, we'd love to hear about it. Give us your feedback and share your story when you come to treasuredtruthradio.org and click on the contact link. Let's get back to our message, Seven Reasons Why God Gave Us Money. Here is Pastor Ford.
0: And so here's the thing. Jesus revealed God to man. When the people of God comprehend the value of God, they give to God unreservedly for the glory of God. Let me say that again. When the people of God comprehend the value of God, they give to God unreservedly for the glory of God. When God's people understand God's value, then they value God more than their valuables. And God says, I've given you money so you can support my program. I want you to supply uh, what I need to build, build a tabernacle. Now I said, listen, I'm giving you purpose for your pocket. Yeah, it doesn't say here, uh, bring it into the tabernacle, uh, bring it in so that Moses could buy Ben's chariot. (laughs) Now watch this. There is in 25, 2, the request. Exodus 25, 2, there's a request. Tell my people bring money to build my house. It is the request. Then in Exodus 35, 28, there's the response. Let me read it to you. Exodus 35, 28. Here's the response. 28, 29, I'm sorry. Uh, The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Wish I had time to talk about these, but I don't. But you see what happens. So there is the request, then there's a response. Watch this. Exodus 36, 5, there's the restraint. Listen to this. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, so the people restrained their bringing. Isn't that amazing? And then what was the result? God's glory manifested in the midst of the people. You read the rest of it yourself. They were blessed because of what God had done. Now, in First Chronicles, let me give you this. First Chronicles 29, 1 through 5. What do I need? Well, David had it, and since he had it, let me just drop it, not push it, and tell you what you need then. If I'm going to supply God's program, and I'm going to be somebody who's willing to sacrifice for him, and don't forget, if it don't hurt, it ain't a sacrifice. Amen. And so here it is. Look at it. Verse 3. First Chronicles, turn there because I want to walk you through it. First Chronicles 29. Now notice what David says in verse 3. Look at verse 3 first. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Hey, you know what he's saying? I already gave. Uh, but I'm giving again, and I'm giving over and above what I... Wait a minute, David didn't already tithed. David didn't already gave an offering. Then he gave another offering. This is another offering. And why? Here it is. He's got the right compassion. He loves God. And anyone you love, they don't have to ask you for anything. You willingly give it to them. The right compassion. And notice he uses a heart word, affection. Verse two, now I have prepared with all my might. He says it twice in the five verses. I prepare with all of my, he has the right concentration or focus. This is my priority. Verse one, I mean, uh, verse three, this is my passion. Uh, Verse two, this is my priority. I'm focusing in on this. I'm concentrating on this. Verses three and four, I don't have time to read, I'm sorry. He says, I have the right commitment. Now you read verse 3 and 4, and what you see is David is, I might as well just go on and just read it, 3 and 4. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of the Lord, verse 4, even 3,000 talents of gold, or the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the houses withal. the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. Why is he doing this? Because leaders set the example; they model the message. And then finally, verse five: the right challenge. Yeah. And so, what happens here? And listen, you don't give to get, but you can't give without getting. And it's not always financial. Okay, let me let me show you this. Luke chapter five. We studied it, remember? And and, uh, we studied it. It it was Jesus uh, coming to Peter. Peter's washing his net. He fished all night. What did he catch? Nothing. So Jesus said, can I use your boat? And Peter said, ain't doing me any good. You might as well go ahead and use it. And Jesus said, I want you to push me off to the shore. Let me preach to these people. So now he's involving Peter. Peter says, okay, so Peter drops the nets. Now, you got to understand, if those nets are not cleaned uh, appropriately and they're not cleaned quickly, uh, they could deteriorate. You have to buy new nets. That's why they clean them. As soon as they're done, pull them out of what, they start cleaning them. And so he's got nets. And, and so he puts those down because Jesus said, I want to use your boat. Use my boat and you use me. Now, I was talking to one of my friends. He said, no, no, i pass forward. No, no. I said, I don't care what you say. What do, what do you call it? After Jesus preached, he told Peter, let down your nets for drought. King James. He let down his net. Now, here's what, here's what I think. It's my opinion. Now you tell me your interpretation after Bible study. Uh, Here's what I think. Jesus said, Peter, you let me use your boat. I'm not gonna be owing any man. So you went to fish, let me show you something. You didn't catch anything, uh, but I know where the fish are. Let down your nets for a drought. I believe Jesus compensated him for the use of his boat. Yeah, and then what happened? The net broke. Now here's my question. Did Peter give to get? No. no. Y'all ain't say that loud enough. I say, did Peter give to get? No, because no, he didn't know what he was getting. He didn't know that he was getting anything. But you can't outgive give God. You know, some of you never heard of uh, Doris Aiken. Uh, you never heard of her, but you've heard her songs. Uh, Why? why? Because Tommy Dorsey sang some of her songs, and Inez Andrew sang some of her songs. Uh, She didn't get the notoriety, but she wrote 500 gospel hymns that we sing even today. And this is one that she wrote, You can't beat God's giving no matter how you try. Just as sure as you're living and the Lord is in heaven on high. The more you give, the more he gives to you. But keep on giving because it's really true. You can't beat God giving no matter how you try. Listen to this verse. Should we receive and never give? The Savior died that we might live. His life on Calvary he gladly gave. Our sinful souls he had to save. He gave me peace. He makes me whole. And when in sin he saved my soul. And what I gave would never be compared with the blessing that I share. You can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. Jesus gave up his throne in glory for a cross on Calvary. Yeah, he's a giving God. Jesus gave up angels hollering, holy, holy, holy uh, in heaven for people on earth hollering, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He gave up being able to say, heaven is my throne room and earth is my footstool to begin saying that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. He veiled his deity and gave it up to his humanity. He gave uh, his, his crown of glory for a crown of thorns. He gave his back to a cat of nine tails. He gave his his side to a spear. He gave his mama to John and John to his mama. He gave his spirit to God who gave it, and then he ascended on high, and he gave us the Holy Ghost to be resident and to be president. He gave us a so great salvation in justification, sanctification, and glorification, and one day he's going to give us his presence for all of eternity. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be transformed up together to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the giving God. You
1: can't be god giver. What an encouraging way to wrap up this program, just thinking about how great of a giver God is and then what he's entrusted to us. How are we going to manage that? How are we going to steward that? That's what we've been looking at in this message and in the series, Seven Reasons Why God Gave Us Money. If you've missed any of the broadcasts, you want to go back and listen again, you can do that by coming to treasuredtruthradio.org. For Pastor Ford, I'm Steve Hiller. Treasured Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.